This is The Ascending Life with Pastor Josh Blevins of Grace Calvary Chapel. These are only two major examples of the plethora and gamut of cults that exist that use the name of Jesus but distort the nature of Jesus, that present to you a different Jesus and a different gospel than what you have received. And we need to be cautious, the Christian scientists, the various, you know, stem off cults. You've got to be careful of these that have twisted the scriptures. We live in a world where the truth is hard to come by, a world where the truth is distorted into my truth or many, and the lack of concern by some churches needs to be addressed. Today, Pastor Josh challenges you with this message. Some of these concerns will be contrary to beliefs that the world has accepted or instilled. But as far as Pastor Josh is concerned, the only one you have to accept is Jesus Christ. Like Jesus proclaimed, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now, here's Pastor Josh in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 3, as he begins his message, Doctrine, False Doctrine. We've been studying the importance of sound doctrine, that is the lens through which we believe, perceive things about God and ourselves and others in the world. Everyone has a doctrine. Everyone has a source from which they define what is right, what is wrong, who God is, who God isn't, who they are. And what we've come to conclude up to this point is that it is important for people's systems of belief and worldviews to be rooted in something that is true. For Jesus said that powerful statement that will never leave our minds, that you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. And then he he was bold enough to declare that I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. And if you haven't been with us, we've been building the case for why we can trust the authority of the Bible as a unique, inspired work of God, communicating to us everything we need for life and godliness today. And we've been talking about the importance of understanding that where there is truth, there is inevitably also error. And truth and error are constantly side by side trying to grapple for the hearts and the affections and the minds of men and women. It's a constant battle, but we need not be discouraged about this battle. We need to equip ourselves with the truth, to know the truth, and to guard the truth. And so we've been looking specifically over the past few weeks at these three categories of doctrinal study. We've looked at the non-Christian doctrines, right? Last week, regarding false doctrine, we talked about that doctrine that is clearly and evidently without Christ, including world religions or satanic imitations of the truth to try to get people to be able to discover their own path of spirituality and their own way to God without having to come through the door, Jesus Christ. And of course, these doctrines also are in the realm of atheism and agnosticism and even secularist worldviews that are void of Christ, as I'm going to talk about that a little more today. And so we pick up talking about the second category today of false doctrine and its dangers, and what I label pseudo-Christian doctrines, or doctrines that contain the name of Jesus, but they're outside of the orthodox view of Jesus, the historical view of Jesus, and most importantly, the biblical view and presentation 
of Jesus. In other words, they are coming to us in sheep's clothing, but inwardly, when you look at the doctrine and the, what they believe, there is a wolf underneath. And so under the notes of pseudo-Christian doctrines, we come to Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 through 9, where there were those coming in the name of Jesus, even claiming Jesus to be the Messiah, but were trying to add extra stipulations to people's faith. Well, you have to be circumcised, you have to follow the law of Moses, you have to basically convert yourself back to Judaism and attach Christ to it to be really, truly saved and, and truly who God wants you to be. And of course, Paul would contradict this and say, no, it is faith, it is grace that saves us. It is not the works of the law, it is not conforming to Jewish tradition or the philosophies of, of religion and man. And in Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 through 9, Paul warns the church that is falling prey to this false doctrine. He says, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another. So even though it has the term gospel to it, it's actually just an imitation. It's a deception. And he says, there are some who want to trouble you and to pervert. The word means to twist or to turn or to manipulate something in a way that corrupts it. So they want to corrupt the purity of what? The gospel of Christ. And then he says, if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches, how many other gospels? Any other gospel than what you have received, let him be accursed. So he has a double emphasis there to the church. And he says, you are being infiltrated by people who are talking about Jesus, but they're distorting, they're twisting, they're manipulating, they're defiling the purity of the simplicity of the gospel. They're trying to add things to your faith and add things to your requirements for salvation. And he says twice, whether it's someone who comes in our name, whether you receive a letter that looks like it came from us, or whether a spiritual entity, an angel, a being, a spirit, a vision, or a dream communicates to you some new revelation of some new gospel that you have not heard directly from us and you have received from us, which we have received from Christ, then let him be, and the word is strong, accursed. It means damned to eternal condemnation. Literally, the word means that. That is how seriously God takes the purity of the gospel and the words of his truth. So think about this in terms of some of the pseudo-Christian doctrines that seek to infiltrate the church in our day. Someone knocks on your door. They tell you, we believe in Jesus and we are here to share with you the gospel. And you tell them, well, that's wonderful. I'm a Christian. I follow Jesus. And they say, well, that's great. We actually believe in the same Jesus as you, but we have some new things to tell you about him. Some things that were long lost and that were recovered. And so you begin to ask some honest questions and you start to get honest answers after maybe three or four meetings and after digging around beneath the surface of all the niceties. And you begin to realize, oh, Jesus was the first created being of God and a spirit brother to Lucifer. He is the son of Heavenly Father who's 
married to heavenly mother and had many spirit children who eventually were born as humans. And by the way, every one of those humans can one day obtain a Godhead just as Jesus did and have their own spirit children and own spirit family one day on their own planet. And one can hope to attain this by believing this version of Jesus and following all the requirements and ordinances of our church and gain enough righteousness to be accepted by Heavenly Father. And another small detail that the apostolic writers of the Bible forgot to mention is that Jesus, following his death, visited America and was preaching to the early Native Americans who are the descendants of the tribes of Israel. And all of this was revealed to a man by an angel on secret invisible golden tablets that no one could see except for himself. Let me ask you that. If you have any comprehension or understanding of the gospel as presented by Paul in the New Testament, does it sound like the Mormons have the same gospel? Not even close. There's not even any similarities there except they use the name of Jesus. If it's not enough, let's just take... Brigham Young, in his own words, Brigham Young is the successor of Joseph Smith, the founder of Mormonism, has a big school named after him. He once wrote, no man or woman in this dispensation will ever enter into the celestial kingdom of God without the consent of Joseph Smith. Every man and woman must have a certificate of Joseph Smith as a passport to their entrance into the mansion where God and Christ are. So when Jesus said, no one comes to the Father but by me, he meant except when Joseph Smith shows up on the scene. (laughs) The Jehovah's Witnesses don't get much better in their version of the gospel. They had to come up with their own translation of the Bible to fit their belief system. It's interesting, when the Jehovah's Witnesses created the New World Translation of the Scripture, They hid the names of the five people who translated that Bible. First of all, if you understand anything about Bible translation, you know it takes an army of scholars who are the most learned men in their fields to accurately translate the original manuscripts of the Bible. But the Jehovah's Witnesses decided that five anointed people could do it. After a number of years, the names of those people were exposed and come to find out that only one of the five had only two years of basic Greek and Hebrew training. Now, to put that in perspective, I have had two years of Hebrew and Greek training, and there's no way I'm launching on a mission with four other people who don't know anything about language to translate the most revered book with the most important message and the most important words known to mankind. I'm not even going to attempt it. And yet, this is what they defend, and of course, all the words that they retranslated all have to do with the nature of Jesus and their version of the kingdom and the deity of Christ. They take words out and they twist it. They would teach you that before Jesus came to earth, he was Michael, the archangel, God's first created being. Jesus didn't die on a cross, but a torture stake. He only spiritually resurrected, not physically resurrected, which, by the way, John tells us is a core essential belief in the gospel that Jesus physically came, he physically died, he physically rose again, and he's physically coming back to earth. And that the only chance people have to earn eternal salvation is to adhere to the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society. And of course, their doctrine that the Jehovah's Witnesses, the true Jehovah's Witness Church are the 144,000 of the book of Revelation becomes problematic as they've exceeded 144,000. And so that provides some problems. 
The Trinity is demonic and Christian pastors are the Antichrist. So when someone comes knocking at your door, how do you respond? Certainly you can demonstrate the love of Christ to them. Certainly you can communicate to them the truth as you know it and as it's written. But what you need to be careful not to do, and I realize that it's easy for some to give in to this, is never concede to their claims that they are Christians just like you. That is what they hope to attain. For people who aren't securely grounded in the truth of their faith, they look at like the Mormon church and they see, oh, they love family, oh, they take care of each other, they do all these things, they're well organized, and they talk about Jesus. And they want you at the surface to think that they believe in the same Jesus and the same gospel that you do. I remember years ago, and I haven't looked lately, but Around Facebook, people were sharing all these video, these Easter videos of Jesus and rising from the dead, and they were so powerful, and all, all my Christian friends and were sharing them everywhere. And I find out that the Mormons created these videos, and they just, Christians don't know, and they just see Jesus standing in front of an open grave. Well, that's really well done, and they share it out everywhere. It's exactly what their intent is and their plan is. They work subtly to undermine those who perhaps lack a groundedness or discernment in God's word. Think about what John said in 2 John. He writes in verses 9 through 11, whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. And of course, if you do a deeper study of 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, you recognize the doctrine of Christ means Christ come in the flesh in divine nature, again, died, crucified in the flesh, risen in the flesh, coming again in the flesh. He who denies the doctrine of Christ does not have God. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. Listen, if anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, do not receive him into your house, nor greet him, for he who greets him shares in his evil deeds." Now, you have to understand the cultural context when John was writing this. To greet someone in your house, to share bread with them, to say, come in, was a a sign of fellowship. You agree with me, I agree with you, we're one with each other. And so John isn't necessarily saying, if a Mormon comes to your house, you can't engage him in a conversation. I have found that it's not profitable. I've never had a profitable argument or conversation at the doorway of my house. I'm not saying you haven't. I'm not saying if the spirit doesn't lead you, don't have that conversation. But for John, what he's saying is someone comes to you, do not concede to their Jesus. Do not give them any intention or any premonition that you somehow affirm that they believe in the same things you believe and that you and brothers in Christ, sisters in Christ who just are slightly different on certain points, don't welcome them and fellowship with them in that way. We've studied it before, but Hebrews chapter 13 tells us Jesus Christ is the same when? Yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. And what's the result? Then he continues, do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings. And there are some strange ones out there. These are only two major examples of the plethora and gamut of cults that exist that use the name of Jesus, but distort the nature of Jesus that present to you a different Jesus and a different gospel than what you have received. And we need to be cautious, the Christian scientists, the various, you know, stem-off cults. We've got to be careful of these that have twisted the scriptures. And there, you know, I think it's a shame to the evangelical church that most Mormon 
children and teenagers and Jehovah's Witness teenagers who raised in the church are far well more versed in their Bibles and in their doctrines of their churches than most of the young people in the true church of Jesus today. We have, in a sense, dropped the ball quite drastically in the discipleship of our children. But you know what? When God is truly calling someone, he exposes those lies. I had a friend for two years in, when I was in college. We uh, drove to school every single day back and forth together, and he was a Jehovah's Witness. And so we had all sorts of interesting conversations, to say the least, on those car rides. And he challenged me by things I hadn't thought through and wrestled through and found that there's always solid biblical answers to everything that's false that comes out, and that was really good for me. But the big kicker was two years after we stopped college and lost contact and didn't see each other anymore, he pulls up in my driveway one day. Two years later, say, hey, you know, I won't say his name, but what's going on, man? I haven't seen you for a couple of years. And he said, you know, I just, my parents got divorced. Everything's falling apart. The church is, is shunning us and doesn't seem right. And I just remembered our conversations and how kind of different you were from what I experienced. And, and uh, he didn't pray to receive Christ, but he came to me <laughs> when he was needing those true answers. And I think that we just continue to live out and proclaim the truth with confidence and courage. And so there are these pseudo-Christian doctrines that we have to be aware of that exist out there that seek to change the person of Jesus. The second thing I want to continue on, actually the third here, is what I would label as cancerous Christian doctrines. And some of these can be all lumped together, and these could all be in one category. But how I would define these are doctrines that get planted in true Jesus-loving, gospel-affirming churches. So people who are in churches that believe the true gospel and they love the true Jesus, yet they get off track and off course when doctrines come in that are not rooted in the scripture. And this happens a lot, and it's everywhere. And I humbly suggest that it's not beyond any church or any person to be swept up in it if we are not constantly remaining grounded in the word of God. I love what Charles Spurgeon once spoke to his congregation. He said, discernment is not simply a matter of telling the difference between what is right and wrong. Rather, it is the difference between what is right and what is almost right. There is some truth to that statement. Some of the cancerous Christian doctrines that were present in Paul's time in the apostolic age was this Judaizing, okay? We mentioned it before, Judaism mixed with Christ. You have to follow our Jewish faith and our rules if you really want to be confident you're saved. There was also Christian Gnosticism that was infiltrating the church, which I'll talk more about later. There was an abuse of the spiritual gifts in the church of Corinth that was leading many people into false doctrine. And what was the apostolic response to the false doctrines that were permeating and propagating within the church, within God's field? I always tend to chuckle when I hear Paul's language to the church of Galatia who was being infiltrated by these Judaizers and by these false doctrines in Galatians chapter 5, verse 12, Paul says, I could wish that those who trouble you would even cut themselves off. Say, that's, what is that? A little context then. The Judaizers were saying, if you want to be saved, you Gentile, 
You trust in Jesus, and then you come to church for your surgery because it's time to get circumcised, men. You have to be circumcised according to the law of Moses. And Paul, I'm trying not to be too vivid here. Paul says, if they think, oh, you're going to be super spiritual by being circumcised, why don't they just become the most super spiritual eunuchs ever and just cut themselves off? You know, I find it troubling today that you read language like this. Paul was so direct and so clear. Sadly, you know what the enemy has done today to us in our culture? He has made us believe that the people who are clear and direct about the truth are the troublemakers and the division causers, and the people who are smooth talkers, who woo you and charm you into their niceties and say all sorts of things without saying anything. Those are the unifiers, even though they're spreading false doctrine. Smooth talk doesn't equal sound doctrine. What we want about the truth is clarity. We want to know the truth. And when Paul would see this, this is how he felt he was so defensive of the flock of God that he would say these types of things. Regarding some of the dangerous doctrines that creep into the church, Paul warns the Corinthians who were falling prey to cancerous doctrines Listen to this passage, and I read it last week, but listen carefully. It's a good identifier. In fact, if you want to turn to 2 Corinthians 11, I'm going to go through a few of these verses here. Starting at verse 3, it's on the screen. Paul says, I fear, lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he who comes preaches another Jesus whom you have not preached, If he receive a different spirit, which you have not received, or a different gospel, which you have not accepted, you may well put up with it. This is a very rebuking tone. Paul is saying, you church boast that someone comes into your midst claiming to be an apostle, claiming to be a preacher, claiming to be a spirit-filled author, and they present to you a, a slightly different Jesus, and a slightly different gospel, and a slightly different Holy Spirit than what you've received, and you applaud yourself that you put up with it. Oh, we're so broad. We just accept, you know, what everyone believes, and, you know, we just open our hearts and open our arms to everybody. And Paul says, why are you putting up with it? You're basically saying, welcome, cancer, into my body. Come do your damage. Notice the three characteristics that Paul gives us as the litmus test. He says, if there's any doctrine or teacher that changes the person of Jesus, that changes the procedures of the Holy Spirit, or that changes the purposes of the gospel, you are not to receive it as an authority into your heart and into your mind and into your life. And Paul would defend himself saying things like this, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 12, notice there he says, what I am doing, I will continue to do. Why? That I may cut off the opportunity from those who desire an opportunity to be regarded just as we are in the things of which they boast. So Paul says, I'm going to continue to warn you. I'm going to continue to call them out. I'm going to continue to tell you the truth so that their opportunity to influence you and to gain your following and to get your money and to get your worship and your praise and your adoration is cut off. You've never heard a truer word spoken than the message given by Pastor Josh Blevins as he spoke in today's edition of The Ascending Life. 
In case you're hearing us for the first time, we're a ministry out of St. Joseph, Missouri. And like so many outreach programs, it wouldn't be possible without the generous donations of people like you. All we ask is that if your heart was touched today by Pastor Josh's message, and you feel led to further the truth of the gospel, would you consider clicking on the Giving tab located at our website, theascendinglife.com. If you're interested in getting to know us a little better, go to the About link located at the top of our page, theascendinglife.com, or watch us online via Facebook. While you're there, check out all the other avenues to get into God's Word. There's even some options for when you're on the move. Under the Media tab, you'll notice links to podcasts and our YouTube channel. That website again is theascendinglife.com. As it's our desire to point you to Christ, it's also our wish that you would simply feel free to talk with us if your heart is heavy with life or full of praise. Just dial 816-279-2090. That number again is 816-279-2090. We look forward to hearing from you. Friends, there's no better place than to be here learning about the life-giving Savior who is Jesus. So, from the bottom of our hearts, thank you for taking the time to listen to this broadcast of The Ascending Life. Reaching up, we're pressing